0: Golden West Radio Network presents Crisis San Francisco Bay
1: The Golden Gate And out under that new bridge The next stop west of here They're talking Japanese It was just going to be a one night stand In Frisco, a game or two And then I was going to pack the pasteboards And head back for Chicago But I got sidetracked by a beautiful lady in distress Who was willing to make me a thousand dollars happier Just for finding out who was stealing from her A routine case Yeah, that's what I thought, too. But what I figured would be a nice, legit operation turned into a baptism in the bay, in a cement suit. And one guy who never knew how to swim was me, Harry Nile.
0: Harry Nile hard luck private investigator in the 40s returns to crisis with another tale of action and suspense. In just a moment, Phil Harper stars as Harry Nile in The Neptune Trading Company. And now, Crisis brings you a Harry Nile adventure, the Neptune Trading Company. Okay, I'm
1: a couple of years late for the fair. I never got to the Golden Gate International Exposition in 39 and 40, and they say I missed a heck of a show. Now they've turned it into a Navy base, and from the top deck of the Sausalito Ferry, it didn't look like much. It's the ragged end of a cold afternoon in 1942, and Clem Edwards, an old buddy I sent to Joliet back in 36, is back in circulation. For an ex card, he's very friendly.
2: Ah, forget Juliet. Harry, it's water under the bridge. Besides, you were only doing your duty. Now you're one of us. How do you figure? Well, you quit the police force. I'm still a private eye. So? You could be the Pope. But when you get in a little game of draw, a five-card stud, you're looking to win, right? All I do is improve the odds a little. Eliminate some of the risk of losing. You ain't against that. I guess not Okay, so tonight you stick with me And by the time the boys will play and get wise If they ever do, you'll be on the train for Chicago And where will you be? I don't know I follow the Swallows Huh? The Swallows? Haven't you heard about the Swallows that come back to Capistrano? No Beautiful story See, there's this mission down the coast called San Juan Capistrano And every year these buried Excuse me,
3: did you see a big man in a black coat come in here a minute ago?
1: Uh, no, I don't think so He must
3: have come up here
1: Is something wrong, miss?
3: Oh, I can't lose him, I just can't
1: well, uh. here, uh, Harry, Ixnay, stay on him. Are you in some kind of trouble?
3: No. Well, yes. In a way, I've been following a man, and now I've lost him. I'm not very good at this sort of thing, but. Well, I didn't know what else to do. Oh, I'm not making sense, and I interrupted you, and I'm sorry. Ah, forget it. Where's this guy? Your husband? Boyfriend? Good Lord, no. He works for me, and I have reason to think he's been stealing from me.
1: Oh, that's
2: why you're following him. Yes. Yeah, well, this this is none of our business. So why don't we just mosey on downstairs? Uh, This guy you're tailing, uh,
3: what are you going to do when you spot him? Well, just follow him and see where he goes.
2: Well, what'll that give you?
3: Well, then I'll know who's in this with him.
2: Yeah,
1: you'll know. But suppose you find him. Suppose he meets someone. What have you got then?
3: Well, I... I haven't thought that far. Uh Uh-huh.
1: And if you think beyond that point, you might start to realize you need evidence.
3: You're a policeman, aren't you? Lawyer?
1: Poker player. Come on, Harry. I'm a private investigator.
3: Well, then you've got to help me.
1: I already did. I told you not to go after this guy alone. Now any more help and it's going to cost you. I'm
3: serious. Please. I'll hire you.
1: You can't hire me. My license has been in Chicago only.
3: Oh, nothing goes right. Just nothing.
1: Okay, give me some facts. What's your name? What do you do?
3: I'm Yvonne Stacy. I operate a little import business in the Embarcadero. Neptune Trading Company.
1: And the guy you think is stealing from you?
3: Maury Valenti. My husband hired him to be the foreman, but... Well, I never trusted him.
1: Your husband? Why isn't he the one out here chasing Letty?
3: Robert was killed at Pearl Harbor. Oh. So you see, if you don't help me, well, I'm all alone.
1: Well, we went back down to where it was warm, and she tells me the whole story, which isn't much, Really? Most of the imports are from Mexico and Central America, and they're small things, jewelry, novelties, but she's come up several cases short for weeks, and she figures this guy Valetti must be making off with him. So she figures if she tails him, she'll sooner or later see him taking a payoff. I shake my head at her and smile a tolerant smile.
3: You're smiling.
1: You've seen too many George Raft movies, Mrs. Stacy. It isn't done like that.
3: Well, that's it, you see. I need you. Please say you'll help me.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah. Uh, Listen, Clem,
2: about the game tonight... Can I have a rain check? The pigeons don't give rain checks, dummy. I thought you were talking about swallows. All right. Go play Dick Tracy. Opportunity ain't gonna knock twice, Jerry. See you around. Your friend could
3: kill me.
1: Clem, Nah. he's his game, not homicide. Now, suppose you put me on your payroll. I get $50 a day in expenses.
3: That's fine.
1: Minimum fee, $100. Fine. Okay, I guess I'm working for you. Now, this guy Valetti... You're sure he was on this ferry boat? I'm positive. Does he know you're tailing him?
3: No. Well, I don't think so.
1: Okay, describe him.
3: He's six feet tall, weighs over 200, black curly hair, very well built.
1: And wearing a black coat. Well, when we get into the dock at Sausalito, I'll look for him. The last passenger leaves the ferry and there's no sign of Valetti. Yvonne Stacy looks defeated. Hey, we lost the battle. We didn't lose the war.
3: But we lost Maury Valenti.
1: Not if we play it close to the vest and keep him from knowing we suspect him. Come on, I'll buy you a cup of hot clam juice. At the little waterfront cafe, I found out a lot more about my new boss. She's 30, and she's too stubborn to sell the business, and she's very pretty. Soft blonde curls, wide-set gray eyes, and a small saucy mouth. We miss a couple of ferries until it's pitch black outside and the blackout curtains are pulled over the windows of the cafe.
3: Harry, we'd better get back to Frisco.
1: Yeah, I guess we'd better.
3: Where are you staying?
1: In your warehouse. All night? Sure.
3: I guess I, I guess you have to at that. it's going to be awfully cold. It's
1: part of the job.
3: Uh-oh. Come on, last ferry.
1: It's late when we get into San Francisco and we pile into Yvonne's LaSalle and she drives me down to the warehouse on the Embarcadero. It's foggy and cold as she unlocks the door.
3: Harry, I'll be in first thing in the morning. Good. Harry, do you have a gun? Sure. Oh, that's good. I hope you won't have to use it, but it's better to have one. Well, good night.
1: Good night. Don't freeze. Try not to.
3: Here. Just for luck.
1: Her lips are suddenly there. Softer and warmer than I thought they'd be. I'd been thinking they looked very soft and warm. And then she was back in the car and gone, and I was alone. Alone in a strange warehouse full of funny smells and the fog rolled by outside. And I was suddenly sad. Across the Pacific were a lot of guys just a little younger than me facing two choices. Hardship if they lived, and a sandy grave if they didn't. But what they're doing adds up to something so important it makes guarding a warehouse seem like a kid's game. What am I doing pacing around big islands of junk jewelry at 50 bucks a day with nobody shooting at me? Some hero. spend the first hour kicking myself, and I try on all the good reasons why I'm not in the service. I'm too old, I'm a little low in energy, and high in blood pressure, and most of all, they don't want blacklisted cops. And that's what I am. For blowing the whistle on the wrong lieutenant, Chicago's finest turned me out. The whole rotten mess rises up in my memory, and I sit on a packing crate and think. But not for long. Oh, my last thought. How did he get in without my
0: hearing him? And why did he slug me so hard? You're listening to the Neptune Trading Company. A Harry Nile adventure on crisis. And now... Back to Harry Nile.
1: When I get back on my feet and the fireflies stop chasing each other through my brain, I make a beeline for the front warehouse door to see how my attacker got in. There's no splintered wood, and I think I'd have heard him pick the lock, so somebody with a key must have done it. Whether he helped himself to any merchandise while I was unconscious, I don't know. I couldn't have been out more than a couple of minutes, so I'd take a look up and down the Embarcadero, but it's deserted.
4: The night air feels good. What I want right now
1: is some cold water to run over the lump on my head. The little office of the Neptune Trading Company is right next door to the warehouse, and the door has a very old-fashioned lock. So, I take the opportunity to let myself in. There's not much inside. A couple of desks, filing cabinets, all pretty beat up. There's a restroom in the back, and when I get a wet towel around my head, I decide, why waste the opportunity? So I help myself to a look in those files, which is what I'm doing, when suddenly the door opens. The silhouette in the doorway goes a good six feet tall, and at the shoulders, he's got to be four feet wide. As he moves at me, I don't need to be introduced. This must be Maury Valetti. I sidestep the first lunge at me, and he slams into the door of the jar. When he spins around, I kick a swivel chair at him, which catches him at the knees. And, while he's thinking about that, I decide to show him my artillery. So I reach for it, and it's gone. Boy, he's getting up a full head of steam now, and I reach for the only weapon I've got, a hat rack.
4: Okay. Okay. Okay, cut it out.
1: I give. Hi, right, Maury. Let's take five. And you tell me how many teeth you want to save. I oh, ought to murder you. And you could do it, too, only I'm not going to let you. Who are you? How come you know my name? I'm Harry Nile, and I know who you are because you're boss and us. What are you talking about? i never seen you before. Yvonne told me so much about you, I feel like I know you, Maury. And what I don't know, I can guess. Like who it was who let himself into the warehouse and slugged me from behind and took my gun. Incidentally, Maury, I'll have it back now. Oh, wait, minute! Wait, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. I ain't getting any of this. You know Vonnie. Yeah, that's right. Oh, Vonnie. What can she tell you about me? She's on to your little burglary game. What are you talking about? I never stole nothing from her in my whole life. Hey, hey, who are you, anyway? Short attention span, Maury. I told you. I'm Harry Nile. Yes, so? I'm a private detective. You still ain't got no right to be in this office. Let me ask you. What are you doing down here at, what is it, three in the morning? I come by to see everything's okay. Yeah, I think that's a lovely story. Let's see if Yvonne will buy it. And while I'm dialing, put my gun on the desk there. I ain't seen your gun. Hey, hey, can I get up now? I don't know. I kind of like seeing you wrapped around a hat rack. Let's see what Varney says. I get Yvonne on the phone, and she says to sit tight while she gets the cops. She worked pretty fast, because inside of ten minutes, the place is swarming with them, and they take Maury away, and I feel pretty good, considering I still have a headache. That is until the plain clothes guy beckons me out to his squad car.
4: Okay, Hot Shot, let's see your ID. What is this? The Army? You know who I am. Mrs. Stacy told me Get it out, inside. come on, get it out. Oh, oh, oh. All right, here. Well, that's very pretty. You're 4F, and you got a license to drive in the state of Illinois. Now, how about a license to work in the city of San Francisco? I got to have a license to help out a friend? Mrs. Stacy calls you a private detective. Yeah, so? So, You call yourself a private detective, and you don't have the piece of paper. You're in trouble. Okay. I'm a Sunday school teacher. Listen, Mr. Nile, word of advice... There's an island out there in the bay called Alcatraz. It's just filled with Sunday school teachers like you. Since when is it a federal offense to help catch a crook? Just remember, Nile, you've been warned.
3: Harry, what did Jacob say to you?
1: Jacobs? Oh, the cop. He gave me the ten-cent lecture on keeping out of trouble.
3: How's your head feeling now?
1: Almost normal.
3: That was a brave thing, fighting Valenti. Well, he could have killed you. Yeah,
1: especially since he had my gun, which reminds me I'm going to have to get that back.
3: Well, wait a minute. Before you go, I owe you some money. Not yet. But you got Valetti taken care of, and that's what I hired you for.
1: I'm not at all sure he's taken care of.
3: Where are you going?
1: I'll be back, Yvonne. Things had started hopping around in my brain like Mexican jumping beans, and I had to sort them out. So I figured the best place to start was with Moy Valetti. I just finished booking him when I showed up
4: at the jail. What are you doing here? I want to talk to Valetti. Why? I got a couple of questions. He can wait. Come on. He sees no one, unless you're his attorney. All right, look. Did you find a gun on him? No, I didn't find a gun. Hmm. You didn't say he had a gun? No. No, he didn't. Look, let me talk to him. I don't even care if you listen in. Well, all right. Down in the one on the right. Five minutes, Nile. Thanks. Well, Andy? Uh, what do you want? Well, I
1: figure by now you might want to tell me everything you know about Yvonne Stacy and her Neptune trading company. I get lost. For what it's worth, Maury, I think you and I both have been played for suckers. I I, I don't know. Maury, tell me honestly. Why did you come down to the office at 3 a.m. this morning? Well, Vonnie called me up. Told me there was a guy in the warehouse. Said I had to go down and take a look, so I went down. I found the warehouse door open. I I looked around inside, and I didn't see no one, so that's when I went next door and found you prowling the office. Sure. It wasn't you that slugged me, it was someone else. I told you that. I was supposed to be out long enough for whoever it was to take my gun and shoot you when you came into the warehouse. Me? Yeah, and that way, Bonnie gets rid of you, the cops take me, and Bonnie's company gets the insurance on all the stuff you supposedly stole out of her warehouse. Only I never stole nothing, I told you. That's right, Maury, and I believe you. Why would Bonnie do a thing like that? The insurance money, Maury. We were both set up. She needed me to get rid of you. Why would she want to get rid of me? She was... Well, she and me, we Maury, were... you wouldn't happen to know the name of the insurance agent who handles the policy of Neptune Trading Company, would you? Oh, gee, no, no, Vonnie, She never talked much about that. I... Okay, I'm going to find out. And I'll be back and get you out of here.
3: Harry, you're back. Good.
1: Yeah, Hi. I wanted to come back and try to help you put the office back in shape. I'm afraid when Maury and I had our little fight, I scattered the files all over everywhere. Well,
3: that's all right. I've almost got them put back in order now. But I'm wondering, Harry, what were you doing in the office anyway?
1: Well, after I got conked on the head, I wanted to get some cold water for the lump. Hope you don't mind lockpicking something I picked up from an old client of mine.
3: No, I don't mind. I just wondered.
1: And then I saw your files, and being a trained snoop, I just had to take a look. And you know what I found? Ever since the war, business is lousy, right? Right. So lousy, you haven't sold 200 bucks worth of those knickknacks a month for a year. Harry! But the good part is, you've got everything insured against fire and theft.
3: Harry, if you're cooking up some kind of theory... But the insurance
1: they... company won't pay off on the stolen stuff until they're sure it's really stolen. So you arrange to give them a suspect, a dead one, and Valenti's elected. And then you need someone to blame Valenti's death on, and I'm elected. How am I doing? This isn't funny. So you set me up in the warehouse when you found out I carry a gun. Then you called up Valenti and told him there was a prowler in the warehouse, so he comes right down. But there was a third person here last night. wasn't there. Someone who knocked me out and took my gun. Someone who was supposed to wait until Valenti got there and then kill him. Who was it, Vonnie? Was it you?
3: I was home all night from the time I left you, and I can prove it.
1: Then it has to be somebody I've never met.
2: <coughs>
1: Wrong, Harry. Clem, you been in the john
2: all this time? Yeah, to see a doctor. Funny, funny. Clem,
3: I told you to stay in there and keep quiet. Nah,
2: Bonnie, it, it's too late. He'd have found out. Don't move, Harry. This is your gun, and it's loaded.
1: So, the invitation to the card game, the ride on the ferry, Bonnie's just happening to bump into all me. All set up, Harry, just for you.
3: Clem, one mistake is enough.
2: Now what do we do? My timing was off last night. All right, but don't worry. Harry ain't going nowhere till his little voyage tonight. So
1: now it all comes clear. Why an ex-con I'd set up would be so palsy walsy with me now. Clem gives Vonnie my gun and he ties me up butt good and shoves me into the restroom where I spend the longest afternoon of my life, listening through the door while the preparations are being made for my murder. It's about 8 o'clock when Vonnie and Clem cram me into the trunk of the LaSalle and drive through the San Francisco fog. I don't know the city, so I haven't any idea where we are when they finally pull off the road and stop. The fog envelops everything like a shroud, but I can tell one thing. The water is close by and a long way below us.
2: All right, Harry, climb out of there. (laughs) Wait a minute. I'm going to
3: cramp in my legs. Hurry it up, Clint. Look, I'm going to wait in the car. Go ahead. This won't take a minute.
2: Now, Harry, we're on a bluff over the bay, and I don't want you should float away on me when you hit the water, so I got a block of cement here with cables coming out of it. Now, you're going to wrap them around your legs nice and tight.
1: Oh, come on, Clem. You're a thief, maybe, but you're no murderer. I'm a guy with a
2: long memory, copper. You owe me six long years of my life.
1: And you figure killing me is going to give you back those years? Never mind
2: the way I figure. You just get busy wrapping those wires around your legs. Come on, move it.
1: Well, okay. I think I ought to tell you something, Clem. I was busy this morning. Shut up and keep working. I'm just trying to warn you. If you should change your mind now, maybe... I said shut up. Okay. Okay, Jacobs.
2: Hit it! Come on, get it! <laughs> I love this, Niall. I love to see you like this. Well, oh. I tried. Now move. Over to your right. You are a lot bigger than I am, and I don't want to have to haul your carcass over the edge of the cliff. Move. Yeah. That's good. Now turn around. I want you back to the bay. Okay, Niall.
4: <laughs> What's so funny? <laughs> Life, Clem. The way things work out.
2: Yeah? Well, so long, now <laughs> hey,
4: Hang on, Jacobs.
3: <clears throat> come on, I'm trying to help you. No, I'm not Jacobs. Belanki! Val- and when I finish with him, I'm going to get wanted. Hey, hey, come on, come on. Take it easy, Murray. You've done enough.
1: Leave something for the police to handle. it kind of reminded me when it was all over of a story I heard once when I was a kid. Something about a lion that remembered the kid that took a thorn out of his paw. Well, Maury Valenti wasn't exactly a lion. and Maybe he wanted revenge more than he cared about saving my life. But it worked out just fine anyway. Yvonne gave up, Clem was in no shape to resist, and the four of us rode down to the police station in the LaSalle. I got my gun back, and the insurance company said there'd be a check in the mail for helping them prove a bum claim. I told him to forget the check, it's cash or nothing for Harry Nile. Besides, I don't know where I'm going to be next week or tomorrow for that matter. Maybe I'll just do like Clem and follow the swallows.
0: Tonight, Crisis presented Phil Harper as Harry Nile in the Neptune Trading Company. Featured in our cast were Pat French as Yvonne, Neil Reese as Clem, Paul Herlinger as Valenti, and Norm Bobro as Jacobs. Sound created by Jeff Thompson. Engineering by Carney Barton. Crisis is produced at Audio Recording Incorporated. Now this is your writer-director, Jim French, inviting you to join us next week for Crisis.